This is Southwest News Media's sports podcast, Sports for Dummies. I'm Eric Croucher with Dan Huss, Todd Abelin, and Tom Chardon. For the week of January 18th, 2019, we're talking about our referee shortage, Hockey Day in Minnesota, and Cole Nicholson of Chaska, who scored a school record 51 points in a single game this week. Well, welcome to another uh, week of the sports podcast. Uh, last, yesterday, we had something sort of rare happen uh, in the metro area. I think it was six different events, maybe 12 total, uh, double headers where you had not enough referees to cover basketball games in the metro area. And so some teams had to move their games to Monday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. Um, this is something that kind of been building up, uh, definitely in basketball, but other sports as well. Uh, not enough referees. First impressions, guys, from seeing the news uh, on Twitter this week? I mean, I remember back in the day, it was two referees per game. Uh, and now you have three at, at every varsity level. Every high school has a basketball team. Yep. You get into January, everyone's starting their conference, so it's that Tuesday, Friday is what they generally go with. And so you're running into Tuesdays where everyone is playing. And and so you need, now, you, now you're looking at, I don't know, upwards of 600 referees being needed across the state or something, even probably even more than that. Uh, for 300 schools, 150, yeah, I mean, you're looking at 500, 600 referees needed. Is it, I mean, is it one thing where we can just look and say, hey, we got to schedule differently or? But even if you if you change the schedule and make it you know, four days rather than two days, you're still using the same 600 referees. Yeah. And, you know. There's going to be, it's going to get, it's not going to get better, it's going to get worse. They got to get start getting more young kids refereeing. And you can't do that if you're going to go to a eighth grade basketball game and then get abused by parents. They're not going to get it. It's not, it's not worth it for them. You see the young kids do soccer and baseball, but I never see them referee basketball games. Well, they do it at younger levels. I've seen I've seen some pretty young kids ref. Well, the biggest problem is the young kids, do you want to start out and then come out and do fourth grade basketball? Is that any fun? They all want to come out and start right off in the, at the top. And, uh, and What's the medium age for a referee these days? Well, I only watch varsity games. My kids aren't in youth, but if I would look, it's probably no, there's, 40, There's not many youth. 45. Young, not many younger kids refing back. There's still, that's what I'm saying. you got to get the, you got to start tapping into those younger referees. Yeah. But there's a problem that nobody seems to want to address is how they're treated. But basketball, obviously, I mean, you guys see, you hear from behind you, no matter what game you're at, you hear the complaining. You hear, you know, yep. and it's not just from parents. I think you know, everyone, everyone complains about the stands, but the coaches and the benches give it to the refs more than the parents and the people in the stands, and they're much closer, so they can actually hear what the coaches are saying to the refs. So everyone complains, but you got to treat the refs better. Yes, everyone does in the stands, but it's got to start from the benches first. You know, there's sometimes that you see coaches five, ten feet out on the court complaining about a call, and the refs never tee anybody up, no. at least in high school. You never see... Yeah, you have to be really something now. Probably what you don't see is the, the parent that follows the ref out after the game. Because <laughs> that happens. It oh, yeah, happen. absolutely. Yeah, happens all the absolutely. Time. 
I, uh, the first thing I thought about when I saw these cancellations was why is it a concerted effort right now to make this public right now? Yeah. So, you know, is it actually happening or are they trying to fend something off down the futures by publicizing it right now? So I found it kind of odd that it was just all happening once, once in this week. Yeah. Well, whose responsibility is it? Is it the state high school leagues to, to make some rules where referees are supposed to follow the, like, hey, if you see this behavior, kick a person out. Is it the AD and school staff to keep, you know, who's who's responsible? Probably everybody, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously it starts with yourself as parents or fans or whatever, but does everyone kind of have to look in the mirror and say, you know, from the top down, we have to do a better job? For sure. I'm sure the people that abuse refs are the ones that don't stand in the mirror and look at themselves and say, what am I doing? They just probably just brush it off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It starts with, I think it starts at the coaching level, you know, and how they act on the yeah. bench. And it's because if you see a coach going nuts on the sidelines, parents and students especially will feed off that. Yeah. So coaches got to start quit running on the court and complaining about every block or charge call that doesn't go their way, you know. Coaches, I mean, yeah, but – but call, part of the job of coaching is to work the refs a little yeah. bit to get calls your way. I mean, yeah, but they don't parent, have to be jumping up and down and stomping their feet and screaming at right. every single call that goes against them. You know, they can do it when the guy's running by and just saying, "Come on, you missed that one." That's keep as a it parent, back. you're there to watch. You're not, you shouldn't be there to argue with the refs. Uh, it's I mean, hard sometimes. Yeah, you know? I think you're you're extra fueled when it's your kid, and you want your kid to succeed. And I think a lot of parents. Um, just look at it as I want my kid to win and you're paying nine dollars to get into these games and you know but I think I think there's po- there's ways of positively cheering for your, your but I, I also think that they just don't do it there's there's zero policing going on you know if you get kicked out of a game the next time you're probably uh, you're probably gonna say I need to change my behavior a little bit if I want to watch my kid play I mean if we start tossing people out you know and it, I don't think it has to be an official I mean that's a really tough situation for an official it's got to be the AD or somebody I mean, that's, that's somebody that's in charge the times I've seen people ejected it's never been from the official yep. it's been the site supervisor mm-hmm. it's usually a kid it's usually obnoxious kids <laughs> I, I just we, we read the creed or whatever before games about sportsmanship at the state high school league you know the state high school league gives a directive hey this is happening you need to follow I, I think it you know just that hierarchy thing where it, you, you just set a precedent but right now it's just not not happening and um, so you're finding more and more, and it's not it's not just basketball. I mean, it's all sports. It's all sports, and um, I just think that yeah, like you're you're seeing, and that that I think that's a part of the problem of why we have a lack of officials. But also, you touched on it too. I mean, the median age is for let's just say 40s. forty. Yeah. You look at swimming; the median age of swimming referees is like a hundred. <laughs> I mean, at some point, Swimming all runs. these all we these don't get abused, all though. these officials are gonna retire, and there's gonna be nobody to official. You right. know, swimming, it's gonna be the same way. We're gonna lose so many referees if we don't start grabbing. Because it's young such ones. a horrible experience for these kids at these kids who are 17, yeah. 18, 19. It's a horrible experience yeah. for them at a youth game or a BA or a 
uh, in-house game or wherever they are, it's a horrible experience for them. So why would they want to continue to do it if they're going to be constantly abused? I was at the Burnsville-Apple Valley game the second half yesterday. I started at the prior late. Lake, uh, probably like Eastview game, probably should have switched that. <laughs> the way that ended. I got into the Apple Valley Burnsville game with 10 minutes to go. It was a three point game. Apple Valley was up. And Apple Valley went on about a 17 to 2 run, kind of took over, and, and Burnsville didn't score a field goal in six minutes. And they were all over the referees. The Burnsville coach got a technical. They were all over the referees. And I'm thinking, First of all, you've you've missed about four shots, taken step back fadeaways, missed those, trying cross court passes, getting intercepted, and no defense. I said this has nothing to do with the rest. This is all on you. But you, you got those eyes that just focus on yeah. my kid, and they were hammering the referees. And I'm thinking you just played horrible in the last ten minutes. You didn't lose because any of the referees, but you would have if you would have been there. You would probably thought it was all the referees' fault based on the the screaming. I think people forget that the referees, this isn't their first job. No. A lot of them have worked during the day, they've been at, and now you're taking two, three nights a week away from potential families, you know, uh, you know, whatever you want to do at night to do this. And so I think when it comes down to it, you see a lot of people going, well, I'd rather spend my time with my family. And so I think that's part of it too is that, there has to be a more of an incentive to grab these. Life is busy, <laughs> you know, and so not everyone can afford to have a second job nowadays. And, and so I think there's just so many teams, you know, high school, new high school opens up every year. and uh, So many teams and not enough new referees coming in. Tend to replace it. What about going back to two refs per game during the regular season? Would that be, that's a solution, but is it a good solution? Yeah, I mean... How I, long have they had three refs? It's been only four or five years, hasn't it? I, well, it used to be at the section level. Yeah. And then yep. it started at the section level, then it went, you know, I know the Lake Conference did it for a while. Yep. One of the first ones, I yeah, think. Yeah, they were one of the first ones. Yeah, it's probably four years, I would guess. Do you guys notice any difference between yeah. two and yeah. three? No. They get in the way when you're taking... <laughs> <laughs> the baseline guy? The baseline guy's always there. You know, I, I think... For me personally, I, I and I see it when like amateur baseball. I think of when there's a two-man crew all year long, and then there's a three-man crew at the region games. How many times they're out of position because they're just not used to it? And I think, I think with a three-man crew, I, I just don't see an additional. Let's get together and make the right call. I think there's, and I got told by by somebody, you know. 90% of the time when you have an umpire go out to the, the baseball umpire go out to the base umpire uh, to have a conference, they're going, oh, what are you doing after the game today? Or, <laughs> what do you think about dinner? Because they don't want to make, they don't want to overstep. That was your call. This is my call. And I think, you, you, I mean, I last night I saw a half dozen, like, they just gotten together. It was clearly off this guy or that guy. But one guy didn't see it correctly because he was out of position. Right. And so I, I think you probably could go more two man. Uh, the, the tough part is, is that then then you leave them more for criticism as two guys are taking the abuse. <laughs> right. Maybe people just realize it's never ever going to be a perfectly called. No. Man yeah. And just live with it. These guys are not pros. 
But even in the pros, I mean, look what happens so. to the professional sports. I mean, anytime a local team loses, it's, it's automatically the, ref the refs. Yeah. It's always the refs. Well, it is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe at the professional level. But we yeah, it, missed calls all the time. There's always going to be missed calls. I don't care how much replay you put. Correct. There's going to be missed calls. It's the nature of it's. You know, it's, it's getting worse though. And it, it is. Uh, but and you know, you guys see enough games. You know, referee. You know, a couple calls, missed calls. It changes the outcome of the game. What five, ten percent of the game? You know, I mean, like for time. I can't think of a game I've ever seen that a, a referee's call completely changed everything. See, I, I mean, I've seen a couple at like Just the end of games. Like, I think you know, like if you go back a couple years ago, Chaska and Eden Prairie were in a section final and borderline charge, no call, no charges called, baskets made. Chaska goes to state. Eden Prairie goes home. I mean that you know it's a fifty-fifty judgment. That's call. a judgment call. But and that's and I have no problem with the judgment calls. Like, but I you know so I think people could you know there there is there is situations, but still you know they're just you know they're they're just playing and um, so they're human beings. Leave them alone. But those close games, I mean, you, it's unfair to say what happened the yeah. last ten seconds. Yeah. Determine the outcome. I Correct. mean, there's a call in the first, a call in the first minute the of the game that could have changed. And it's it. not necessarily calls. It's a missed shot. It's a missed assignment or whatever. But it's it's not just what happened in the last five seconds. What what can be done? I mean, do you guys have any given any solutions for the state high school league? <laughs> hey, I mean, thank the ref campaign. That yeah. was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, oh, how much how much trash you know, I yeah. got? I mean, what? I think the state lights just got to stick by the referees. Yeah. Stick by them and throw more people out of games. Because it starts it starts at the younger levels, and yeah. it just keeps coming up and up, and these same parents keep coming up and up, and they argue and they argue and they complain and they complain. I mean, if you're arguing at a fifth-grade, sixth-grade basketball game, you've got issues. Yeah, we you know running, running softball tournaments in the summer, we have to – I spend half of my time as a tournament director dealing with parents – Telling them, okay, this is 12U softball. 12U. They're 12. Yeah, no, like, uh, you know, so it, it's definitely an epidemic. But, you know, something that we'll continue to watch because if it, I think if it, you start to see more games affected where there's more, like, you know, then you're really going to see a push for something. Um, if it's one day, what's everyone's going to say, well, it's fine. Okay, but what's the solution? More refs? Instant replay? <laughs> Well, I think it's getting more, pe- you know, more people involved in refereeing, but it's also, you know, keeping 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 referees with the, you know, with less abuse. I mean, it's kind of that that more um, some of each. But well, I mean, I, you really have to love they love the game to go out and ref. You're not getting paid. You do. You got not getting paid a whole heck of a lot. But you could while, say that about coaching or sure. anything else. Yep. Coaches get paid. Yeah. <laughs> well, not the, not the youth ones. We'll no. we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on it to see if things change, but I it's not going to change overnight. It's people just it's just it's going to take some time to to turn things around. But uh, it's something that I think everybody, like I said, from from top to bottom, from the parent to the coach to the state high school league to the AD. I mean, I think it's everybody's responsible for, for doing something. Everyone has a hand in and making it better. So, Hockey Day in Minnesota. 
going to be cold. 12th, 12th annual, 13th annual, something like that already. I mean, uh, is Saturday supposed to be like 9 degrees Saturday? In the Twin Cities. Yeah, up, up in Bemidji, it's going to be 20 below. Especially with Minnetonka plays at 9.30 in the morning. Nine. I'm probably going to be 15 to 20 below then, right. I'm guessing. I'll just send my JV. <laughs> <laughs> One, one versus two in the state, Minnetonka and Andover kick off things. Part of uh, three games on that day. There's a there's a college women's game, Bemidji State, Minnesota State. A lot of lot of local interest. Uh, I guess there's kids from that playing both those teams. And then you have Greenway and Bemidji in the nightcap in the afternoon. Uh, you know the local the local interest. But what do you guys think of Min- do you guys do you guys watch hockey day in Minnesota on Fox Sports North or if I'm every home year. <laughs> every year, Eden Prairie played Plus two Mono. years ago at Stillwater when Casey Middlestad was a senior. And, uh, I mean, it's it's a game outside. Yeah, it's there's really nothing different. I mean, the the players will say, "Well, you you got to wear a cage rather than a mask because it'll fog up and different things like that." It's still just a hockey game, right? Yeah, but at 20 below, it's <laughs> it's probably not the ideal circumstances where you want to see Minnetonka play Andover because it's just not going to let the kids show their skill because everyone's just going to be so cold that it's going to be a one nothing game. Whoever can sneak one in, just because. Well, it's, if it's 15, it'll probably be inside. Yeah. Yeah. What is is there a contingency if it's too cold out? Where would they go with it? I, well, Bemidji would have their... Bemidji State? Yeah, I mean, the, the hockey rink. I, I haven't heard anything. I know uh, I wrote a story this week talking about the, the 2012 version, which was supposed to be played in Excelsior Bay on Lake Minnetonka. It was too warm. It got in yeah, the, the days leading up to the event. Uh, it, it got into the 50s. The ice was terrible. So they had to move all the games inside the Pagel Arena in Minnetonka. So I wrote about that experience, Minnetonka. And that was also a one versus two game. Duluth East at the time was number one, Minnetonka was two, and Minnetonka ended up winning, I think it was like nine to three, nine to four. But, you know, I think there's uh, the, the the allure of playing in a game like that. You know you're going to be playing a, like a, on TV in front of all, the, you know, like the entire state. So I think kids kids do get up for that. Um, it also maybe distracts them a little bit from <laughs> from the game because you're you're really focused on that. But I, I think there is something special about playing in in, in a set, setting like that. I know last year covering St. Louis Park uh, Rec Center has that outdoor ice that they play some games on, and Chaska got to play on that against St. Louis Park. It was fun. You're playing outdoors, and it was freezing cold. You know. Um, but I, it's, I think it takes you back to your roots, and I don't know if these kids still skate on ponds like uh, like other people did, but I think the, the thought of it is, you know, going back to your roots is, is kind of a, a cool thing, and um, I know the Minnetonka team is excited to, to travel up to Bemidji and, and get to be, uh, be a part of this again. So I think their number one goal, though, is to get out of there healthy. Yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> Outside in the cold. I think if they get out of there with everybody standing with no injuries, it'll be a win no matter if the score is a loss. These kids are, you're, you're all dressed up. And think about the coaches. They stand on the How about the refs? The refs, yeah. <laughs> Game for Minnetonka that has no bearing on this, their section seed and there's no bearing on their uh, standing in the late conference. Could be, could could be, be a state, state seed. seed. Yeah, I suppose Andover, but 
What's the difference between one and two? Nothing. Depends, <laughs> depends on the year, I guess. Depends on three. Yeah. Depends on three. Yeah, Time of day you're playing at the state tournament. There you go. Does Andover have to get through Duluth East? Are they seven? That, that sounds right, yeah, yes. Duluth East and Elk River. and I don't see them making it anymore. <laughs> well, both teams, so it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Both, both, both teams are undefeated. Andover has beaten Duluth East already. Uh, yeah, but Duluth handily, East is a playoff. But they are they are uh, end of the season type team. But uh, yeah, I just think, and I, you know, personally, I, I think it was really cool back in the day when you would have the high school games. Everyone would be excited about uh, the whole day. I think you know the college games, the the wild. Man, <laughs> I mean. The Wild, like, come on, we're are we really excited about that. No yeah. one's excited about that. So you're excited maybe about the high school games now. And yeah. the Gophers aren't even part of the the package anymore. They've they've gone to last year it was it was St. Cloud and Mankato was the game. Right. And well, I think this year it's Duluth. It's Bemidji. It's so it's Bemidji. Um, I, they're playing. I can't even remember who they're playing. Uh, it's not even. A, I don't even think it's Duluth or something. I think it's Bemidji versus somebody. Uh, Lake Superior or something, you know, something like that. So, uh, but I, I, I think it's geared, kind of got geared more to the high, high school, school things, thing, right? Yep. Um, whereas it used to be a celebration of Minnesota hockey all day long, and it probably still is. But everyone's more excited about the high school games. Right. So, bright and early. I'll watch. I'll, well, yeah. Unless there's a uh, Marvel movie on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a couple other things that have happened early this week that we wanted just to touch on a little bit. Uh, we had a couple big uh, basketball performances. Uh, last night, Tuesday, Cole Nicholson, senior, just named one of the Mr. Basketball watches, uh, the finals uh, watch or whatever. He's going to be playing in Northern Colorado. He set a school record with 51 points on zero three-point attempts. It's almost impossible these days. It, uh, he had 23 field goals, 5 of 6 from the free throw line against Robbinsdale Cooper. Uh, that was uh, kind of the top two teams in the Metro West last year. Cooper beat him twice. Uh, they're both ranked in state. Um, yeah, it was, it was Cooper pretty. Cooper's 3A? Cooper's 3A, yep. Their girls' team won state last year. Their boys' team was was, was very good last year. But, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, anytime you see a performance like that, and it's kind of you know a hot child thing um, from a couple you know from last month. It's probably like, I mean, to score 51 points. Uh, the one of the referees, Tim Layden, one of our favorites, he even came up to me with like a couple minutes to go, and he goes, "How many points has that guy got?" You know, because you, you almost start to marvel like, right. "Wow, what a what a performance!" 51 um, points in 36 minutes. Like to play 18 minute half yeah. is a ton of points, mm-hmm. you know. And he rolled his ankle with like two minutes to go in the first half, so he missed two minutes there. But and if the style of game, Cooper up and down, they have five guards and they just sprint up and down. And when you're a six five guy like Nicholson is, I mean, you're exerting so much energy. But uh, the kid, the, uh, you know, talking coaches, other players, nobody outworks him. I mean, his kid has put in so much time and he's, you know. They had nobody to guard him. <laughs> they just, I mean, nine seconds into the game, they fired the ball down to him. He went up, didn't dribble, put it in. And uh, they, at one point they put a big, bigger kid on him, and he just caught the ball at the top of the key, dribbled right past him, you know, lay it in. So it was kind of a fun performance. I and mean, we've seen, you know, you see a lot of these these performances that are a lot of fun to watch. Last night we had a really, another Tuesday game, 
Eastview, Prior Lake, two really talented teams. Uh, Tom, Tom, Tom caught the first half. <laughs> Prior Lake was handling them in the first half by about six, and I went over to another game. Apparently, I, I, it was on YouTube, so I watched some, paused sure. it, and watched the last half when I got home. Because you know, if you don't pause, you pause it, you just start it from right where it was. Um, Eastview's got a good point guard, and he kind of controlled the tempo of that second half, and then they started hitting threes and pulled it, got ahead, and I think they were up by five points with nine seconds to go and blew it. Nissen hit a three. They fouled. They were down by two. Then Eastview made one of two, and then two passes up to Robert Jones and the kind of a, probably about a 40-footer and nothing but net. And, they dominated the second half. Six, they they six, dominated the overtime. 6'10". 6'10", Robert Jones, who doesn't get a lot of points. on his. He gets a lot of putback points. He had 15 last night, but he averages about 15, but 12 are on putbacks. He, I mean, he's one of the best rebounders <coughs> you're going to find in the state. And shot block, and he's taking the shot from forty. Well, I mean, I think they were just looking for an open man. That knew. shot was kind of a line drive <laughs> shot. It wasn't really like it don't take yeah, look like I don't it takes too many. Robert Jones especially. It wasn't <laughs> like floating in. It was like I, kind of like he just threw it in there. It's probably a good thing it was from a little farther back because maybe the regular three might not have been his range. But <laughs> yeah. he Garcia ended up with forty four. I think it's the second forty point game. But um, Prior Lake will be number one. You think? Prior Lake will be number one when the rankings come out. Come out today. Today, sometime, yeah. Hmm. I mean, because Edina beat Hopkins, and yep. there might be four ranked in that section two now. Yeah, because Chaska Chas- Chas- will stay ranked. Stay ranked. ranked. Edina's got to be ranked. Prior Lake will go to one. Shockby lost the North last night. Shockby was four. They, they were unranked. They still the, might be. They may be five ranked. Well, they, 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 they should drop behind. Yeah. Like, so Chaska's beat them. Eden Prairie beat them. No, no. Shockby beat Eden Prairie beat Dana. Yeah. Yeah. Park Center beat Prior Lake, and they're going to stay behind Prior Lake. So it's so, uh, well. Shock, last night in Shockby North game, uh, North was beating Shockby. I think it was fifty-seven twenty-two with ten minutes or something late in the second half. Uh, Shockby cut it to five. I think sixty-two fifty-seven and lost by seven or eight. So, but. Uh, North's point guard Tyler Wall, who was going to Wisconsin next year, got hurt with about six minutes left, and that's when. Uh, Serious. It looked like about a, I think he got kicked in the face by accident, so I think he had a concussion. He never come back, never came back from that, and they, uh, they North couldn't handle Saber the Sabers press after that, and they must have all scored them thirty-five to six in the last minute, last six minutes of the game. So. Prior Lake Scott. North at home next Tuesday. Twenty uh, it's battle for first place. Twenty second first place in the conference if they both win on Friday. Who's the number five seed in section two right now? Edina. It's probably that. Edina because they lost to Shockby and Eden Prairie. And they beat. <laughs> <laughs> they beat Hopkins. They just beat Creighton Durham Hall. I mean, well, who's the one seed? Everyone's beating each other well, up. Well, Lake, right? Oh yeah, Prior Lake. Lake. Prior Lake will be the one because they, they ain't going to play anybody the rest of the year other than North and Shakopee and maybe Eastview again. The SEC is not that good outside of those three teams, in my opinion. If, uh, North Shakopee and uh, Prior Lake. I'm going to love to see where Chask ends up. Right. Burnsville beat Apple Valley last night in boys hoops. 
Okay. Snapped an 18-game losing streak against the Eagles. Probably that that win was probably pre-Jones. <laughs> the funny thing is, is as good as Prior Lake is, they're going to have a tougher time getting to state in Section 2A. Burnsville could be the one or two seed in Section 3. Oh. They're six and seven. Eastview's East probably going to be the East one, View. but Burnsville's got Eastview twice. Okay. You know, I mean, they still have a shot at the one seed. They've already beaten Egan. They've already beaten uh, a Rosemont. Parks, six and seven. I mean, right now your top three seeds are Eastview, Burnsville, Park, and Egan. Hmm. They'd be the bottom four seeds. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I just saw like Chaska, they, six of their first nine games were against ranked opponents, and that doesn't count Eastview. I mean, Eastview very easily could be a top ten team uh, some years, uh, and now the rest of the season the only ranked opponent they play because they're in the Metro West Conference is Cooper again, and they have one more Cooper game. Um, so, Eastview was not a bad squad. They had a nice big man. I thought their point guard handled the prior league's pressure pretty well. Yeah. I mean, they, they're more than capable of beating oh, a good team they on a really good given night. Year. I don't see how anybody – I mean, I they got to be the favorite out in Section 3. Yeah. I just – I mean, like, Chaska's beaten – they beat Adina without Jack Middleton, but they beat Shankabee, they beat Lakeville North. Uh, I mean, they, they – they, you know, so the, the one – if they'd be the number two seed, I think, no, uh, if they had beaten Eden Prairie. They were up 13 with five minutes to go and lost that one. So, if the, but still, I don't see them. I, I think Shakopee and Dinah somehow are going to be four and five. That's going to be a heck of a quarterfinal uh, game. Well, I mean, Evil oh. Prairie still plays Edina twice, though. They haven't Correct. started the late conference yet. Yeah, so. you're right. <laughs> so, was Minnetonka six, Chan seven, oh. Jefferson eight? Chan beat Minnetonka. So, and Chan's, Chan has not had good success over the years with Jefferson and they still play toys so there's still a lot to be to, to watch here but it, I mean it's gonna be the a, one the one eight is going to be a good matchup two sevens going to be a great you know so of I, these five teams that we're talking about who's got an elite point guard Shockery's is pretty good but yeah he I mean Drake Dobbs, Dobbs is a good is, Point guard. He's a good guard. I don't know if his natural position no, is a point guard. He's though. a shooting guard, but he's playing playing point guard. Prior Lake's got the same team as they did last year. They were awfully good. And the reason they lost that semifinal game to Edina is Edina had an elite point guard. Yeah, Anders Nielsen, who's now and gone. He dominated that game, and he didn't score a lot of points. He just controlled the whole tempo. Made sure that Prior got prior got. Got their team in half court sets. They scored in their half court sets. I think the only way you beat Prior Lake is if you have an elite point guard. Jones is so good in the back end. I think he's underrated. Garcia scores a lot of points, but Jones is the key. Yeah. They will pressure you. They like to pressure you up the floor, full court, and they want to make you go fast. And they don't care if you break the pressure. Because when you, normal times when you break the pressure, what do you do? You go, you go attack the basket. Sure, you can't with And that. you can't with Jones. Yeah. Right. They'll, they'll, they'll take that matchup any day. You attack the basket, we're going to get a block. Sure. So what you got to do is, you, what Nelson did, he would break that pressure and they'd set up in the half court. Yeah. And then they, you got to score in the half court to beat Prior Lake. Yeah. But you can't attack off their pressure because Jones, he just sits down there and he is so good down there. He's, sit, he's just a... Yeah. 
So, and then on defense, you just got to let Garcia get his 25 to 35 and hold down Nissen and the other guard. Jones is going to get 15 because he's going to get 13 on putback. (laughs) It's just automatic. He's such a good rebounder. But if you hold their guards down and score in the half court, they can be beat. But does anybody have a guard to do that? I don't know. I don't know. That Anders Nelson was awfully good. Yeah, and Adina's strength is 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 center and and shooting guard with Middleton and Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, the one so. thing Carly doesn't do I've noticed though is they don't go deep down the bench. Their starters play a lot of minutes, and then they bring the six nine Carson Scheller off the bench, and they're not deep. And it's so to play seven. They're seven not a guys. deep team, and they like to play. They that, like to move. They like to play. Quick. And that's where Eden Prairie, I mean, they've got a little bit more depth. They've got a little more balance. I mean, they, I think they have more balance and depth. Yeah. They still don't have a lot of depth. No, but they have five guys who can score double digits most nights. Hit threes. Yeah, they, yeah I mean, the, the, the bigger guys, the Henry, Christensen, Dobbs, can all hit threes. And that's that's the, that's going to be the recipe for success. Is, like you said, if you beat the press, Maybe not. You have a two-on-one. Well, you're kicking it out. Uh, you're kicking it out to Connor Christensen or John Henry for a wide-open three, and that that might be the ticket to, to beat in a prior leg. You're gonna have to beat three. You're gonna have to hit threes, and you're gonna have to beat their pressure and play in the half court a little bit. Score in the half court, I think. Let's fast forward to March. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> I mean, probably if, get, if they get to one, I mean, I don't think they're gonna be happy with. Playing either shock could be in the second round. That's a tough second round. The semifinals are going to be brutal. Everybody's going to have a tough second round game. Right. It's the four or five seed that you do want to. Who's he dying his point guard now? They that couple seniors that they've they've tried. They have a did junior that I liked, but he comes off the bench. But uh, they must have somebody Inc. pretty good. Andrew Inc. Hopkins. I think uh, one of the Inc. brothers. Uh, they just kind of run. Yeah, Middleton is their shooting guard. He's six uh, four. Deadly from outside. They got the big guy in the middle. Houston, But yeah. last year in that section semifinal, Jones must have blocked yeah. his shot eight yeah. times. <laughs> he's stronger this year, but uh, he's still, yeah, I mean, he, uh, they're going to have to win from outside. But it'll be fun to watch. Still, sure. still a month and a half away. That's all for Sports for Dummies this week. I'm Eric Croucher with Dan Huss, Todd Abeling, and Tom Chardon. Rachel Minsky is our producer. For more sports coverage, visit southwestnewsmedia.com. Thanks for listening.